name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland podcast. I have a complete phenom with me today, and you are going to think, oh my God, what have I done with my life when I tell you about this amazing young woman? Look at me getting all teary-eyed just even thinking about it. Her name is Rhea Miglani, and she is the co-author of a book called The Hidden Hero. She's also a podcast host. Her podcast is called Less Panic, More Peace. She is a 16-year-old high school junior. And by the way, she's given a TED Talk. So I couldn't feel more useless in this conversation if I tried. Rhea, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you, and I'm going to pick your brain about all sorts of topics. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Now, an interesting little factoid here is that your co-author of your book is also named Rhea. How did you guys get together? Well, that's a great question. Um, yes, it's kind of it's kind of strange having uh, the author being Rhea Miglani and Rhea Jane. It's kind of funny. But Dr. Ruchi Gupta actually introduced us. I have a podcast, as you mentioned, Less mm-hmm. Panic, More Peace, that I started in May of 2020. And uh, Dr. Ruchi Gupta was one of my guests and I had her on and after kind of talking and having an amazing conversation, kind of recording the podcast, she actually introduced me to her daughter who happened to also be named Rhea. And we kind of got started to talk, we exchanged phone numbers and I actually reached out to her and I was like, hey, do you want to start a project? Because you have allergies, I have allergies. You already wrote a book series. So I was like, you know what? It's perfect. She wrote The Class We Can with JJ Volupas. And I thought, you know what? That's perfect. Let's do it. It's lockdown. Let's just write a book. So yeah, what else are we going to do during a pandemic, right? Exactly. Start a podcast, write a book. Exactly. By the way, everybody else binge watched TV. Well, I did that as well. That's actually how I wanted to start a <laughs> podcast. It's actually a funny story. I was literally binge watching Netflix. I was binge watching this show called All American. And- I love All American. Oh my gosh. So you watch it. What a great show. Yeah. It's such a good show. So much, so much good social commentary about racism and just things that they're passionate about. So I started the podcast because I watched that show and this girl, Olivia, who you probably know, Olivia, she started the podcast about kind of raising advocacy for racism and Mm -hmm. all of those injustices. And so I was like, wow, that is actually so cool. You know, you take something you're passionate about and you speak about it and you educate other people. And so I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to do that. So when I put my mind to something, I do it. Yeah, so I apparently. just was like, let's do a podcast, I guess. And so I was like, okay, what is it going to be on? And then I was like, you know what? Food allergies is perfect because my sister kind of acted as my muse throughout the entire thing because she has, she's 13 years old and she had probably about 12 allergic reactions in her lifetime. And so I just wanted to do something to help change the food allergy community for the better. So you have one sister, you both have food allergies. She's had more and all three of you have food allergies. We all have food allergies. Wow. Yeah. Are they all different? Um, it's kind of the same. My sister has nuts and shellfish. I have nuts and shellfish. My sister had egg allergy, but she grew out of that thankfully. And my brother actually can have peanuts and actually peanut butter. And so whenever I see him eat peanut butter, it's kind of a, a crazy thought because he's allergic to every single other nut except peanuts. And he also like, you know, tries to tease us a little bit with that. Like he's six years old. He's crazy. <laughs> Still learning the social graces. Of yes, of course. Yeah, I can. So I can't have peanuts or tree nuts, but I can have pine nuts of all the, I don't know why. Oh, wow. Pine nuts are fine. What I really yeah. want is cashews and I can't have those. Yeah. I can have but. almonds, but I can't have anything else. Oh yeah. Almonds were always my least favorite nut. 
that there's like a weird crunchiness to them. And so I don't, I don't miss it, but cashews I miss. But that's so crazy from a family perspective that all three of you are food allergic. All three of you have similar food allergies. I feel like, uh, I feel like your parents have quite a challenge there. (laughs) Oh yes, definitely. A lot of remorse at the same time as like just fear in general. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of that. I mean, there's one, this one story, it's this Italy in Italy. I kind of stole this, told the story on my podcast, but basically it was in 2018 and my dad took me and my sister to Italy just because, you know, end of eighth grade, kind of celebrating that time, you know, why not? We weren't in a pandemic. Why not? So we decided to just go. And my sister actually had two allergic reactions. She had to take two EpiPens and it was a really hectic experience. She had wow. She had gelato and there was cross-contamination. And then she had, apparently in Italy, if you say chocolate, she had a chocolate croissant. If you say chocolate, it actually means Nutella. Nutella has tree nuts in it. Hazelnut, sorry, hazelnut in it. And so, yeah, so she had two allergic reactions. And yeah, it's definitely really, it was definitely hard for my dad to just see us go through that. And my mom across the world. Oh my gosh. Literally, she must have been she freaking had to stay out. home. She was freaking out. And so, yeah, definitely. That was just one experience about how hard it can be as it's not only like an invisible disease, but a community disease, a family disease kind of in a way. So, yeah. yeah. And invisible disability, people like to. Yes. Like to, disability. Yeah, yeah. Call it. Mm-hmm. So you and other Rhea decided to write this book. Tell me about the book and tell people where they can find it because it's out now. Yes. Right over here. So it's called The Hidden Hero. And it's basically about how a girl with food allergies discovers her power. And Hazel Harris, she's a nine-year-old girl. She is just like any other boy or girl in this world. And I wanted to really make it relate to kids out there, you know, parents with children who deal with food allergies, feel like they're different, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make that feeling that they're different, kind of making that weakness into turning into strength and kind of using their kryptonite into turning into a power. And so I wanted to use that. And it's kind of, it's a little message of like, oh, if you can't eat something, there's, you can't eat one thing, but you can have a hundred other things. You know, there's one thing we that you can't do. have a t-shirt do. about that. Oh, you do? Awesome. on all the things I can eat. And there's yes. like check boxes so you can check all the things you can have instead of the ones you can't. Exactly. It's basically about empowerment in children. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to kind of share that and highlight the mental aspects of food allergies rather than the physical ones all the time, right? We're all kind of on social media and saying all the physical, physical disabilities we have. And that's amazing as well. But there's also like that anxiety, that depression, that stress, even in kids. So I really wanted to kind of focus on that. And so are the messages of empowerment and, you know, it, this is your power Um, Is that something that's come from the lessons that your parents teach you and your siblings about your food allergies? Yeah, of course. My parents have always been preaching uh, to us that our allergies don't define who we are and it's on our identity. And obviously you can use it as some some portion of your life to actually advocate for your condition, but it's not you. And so I really wanted to kind of display that. And you can find the book on Amazon. Nice. I love it. So let's talk about the process of that, because I feel like there's a lot of people who go, I have a topic. I have an idea. I would love to write a book. Right. But then it never makes it, you know, out of the word document from the laptop. How do you, so this is a children's book. It's illustrated. How do you a get it published and b find an illustrator or are you the artist also? Yeah, so that's a great question. I absolutely think that writing a book was one of the hardest things I've ever done. 
And the writing or like the, what comes next? The entire process. Yeah. It was basically, we rewrote the script and obviously that took a, a couple months because we had to edit and continuously edit. And even though it's a kid's book, a lot of people think, oh yeah, you know, you just write some words, do some drawings, publish it. It's all good. Right. That was not the case. It took probably about a year to actually publish it. And, um, yeah, so basically I just wrote it. And then I actually, the illustrations come from, uh, an illustrator that I hired from Russia. So there's an amazing uh, website called Upwork and you can find anybody to do anything. And so Daria, I'm sorry. It's like Fiverr. Yes, exactly. I use Fiverr as well for specific other things for my book and formatting and everything. But basically I just hired Daria. She was amazing and just doing the illustrations. But the hardest part was actually I had to sketch every single illustration the way I wanted to. And so I would sketch it and then I would send it back to her and say, hey, this is what I would like the first illustration to look like. She sends it back to me. I'm like, this is not exactly what I wanted. So I write it again. And then I send it back to her. She comes back. She's like, oh, this is not it. Like, I just, this is, I don't feel like I'm empowered by this, right? I just don't like it. And so I send it back to her. And so this, I probably have done a revision for every single page, probably about like eight times, just oh revising gosh. and revising. And so I would be like late at night, I would just be sketching at 12 a.m. Like I was in this basement, just sketching, <laughs> sketching on the iPad, just doing it over and over and over again. My friends would be going out of parties. I'm just like, no, I have to finish this. I have to do this, this book. And I was always busy. So yeah, the illustrations were definitely a hard part um, throughout the entire process. And then obviously there comes the publishing part. And we decided to go not the traditional route, which is like kind of actually doing a publishing company. We actually wanted to self-publish it because obviously this is the first book and it'd just be easier. I'm going in my junior year, so I wanted to get it, get it done before then because other than that, it would have been really hectic if I would have went the traditional route. But yeah, so we just uh, self-published it on Amazon and uh, it definitely took a lot of grit and patience. So, is that yeah, a hard process to go through? Oh yeah, definitely. My dad actually wrote these three books. I'm putting you right over here. Embrace the Chaos, which is one of them. So you had, you had some, some kind of inside knowledge. Definitely. He helped me so much throughout the whole process. I'm actually a perfectionist and I want to get everything perfect. And he's like, perfect. I didn't get that at all from the illustration story. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, he's just like perfection is illusion. He kept telling me like, it's fine. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he was definitely a very, very big help throughout the entire process. Um, But yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun though. I met a lot of amazing people. Yeah, I bet. And so now the book's out, it's available on Amazon. It's called The Hidden Hero. Yes. And so everybody needs to go buy a copy right now. Like do not pass go, do not collect $200. (laughs) Push pause on the podcast, go buy a copy of the book and then tell us all about it. Yes, please. Yeah, no, that's great. So, so one of the other things we talked a little bit about the podcast and we talked about the book, you did a Ted talk. I did. How did you manage that? Yeah. So freshman year, I was part of a club, TEDx. This is before my whole podcast, the whole pandemic, whole book. I just was like, okay, I like to speak. My dad is actually a motivational speaker. So I was like, okay, let me just try it out. I like to speak. I like to talk to people and really learn about things. So I joined the TEDx club and it's basically TED Talks. And so I got to talk about the psychology of persuasion. And something about like the mind and neuroscience, mm-hmm. which I'm really interested in, if you can't tell by the book and the other things that I'm doing. So yeah, I'm really interested in the brain. And so I was like, okay, there are three things you can do to basically influence people. And, you know, one of them being the comparison 
um, the comparison rule, which is like, okay, oh my gosh, like, oh, I failed a test. You know, you want to kind of get that across to your parents that you failed a test, but you say something actually way bigger, like, oh, I have you know, diabetes or something like that. Right. And then you say, oh, wait, I actually just failed a test. And so it was kind of that comparison kind of mantra. So yeah, that was basically about how to control somebody's mind in a way. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, so, so I didn't realize that TED talk clubs were a thing in schools. How would somebody go about doing a TED talk if they don't like, let's just say that there may be like an old person um, who can't join a high school club. How does one get into that kind of thing? I think that you actually have to go through the actual TED TED talk process and actually apply. So I actually wanted to do an actual TED talk after I did my TEDx talk in my school. I wanted to kind of branch out Mm -hmm. and I thought it was cool. So I decided to go on to their application website and try to fill out, you know, and actually apply. And that's what you have to do basically. Did you get it? I actually didn't apply. I actually, I apparently, I think it was like that age discrimination. I couldn't, if I'm 16 years old, I'm pretty sure. Not exactly sure though. <laughs> Gotta be, you know, not a minor or not a, yeah, a minor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy town. All right. So we yes. jumped into kind of all this amazing stuff that you have done and you're clearly not going to have any problem getting into college because your resume <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I hope you have good grades too. But usually I would start out the entire conversation with tell me your allergy story. And I totally skipped over that, even though I had it written down in my little list of questions. So I want to hear not just yours, like when did you find out you had food allergies, whether your parents knew before you remember or whatever, and you know, kind of what's that process with your siblings look like, right? Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what's your story there? Yeah, so that's really important to kind of mention because, you know, where you kind of come about is really significant. And I actually was diagnosed probably just by eating a random peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to the hospital. And How like old most you people, at that point? I want to say about five. Um, and I just had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, broke out into a rash, went to the hospital and got tested. Like no, most normal people kind of do, they get tested. And that was, you know, I kind of knew that I was allergic to peanuts, but then my sister kind of came into play three years later and she was severely allergic. Like I only broke out into a rash, but she was severely allergic. So she actually had, has had an egg allergy, nuts allergy, all shellfish, anything you can imagine like that. And so she had egg one day when she was probably about like two years old. I want to say she had just egg. My mom was feeding it to her. And she ate it and her lips started to turn blue. And my parents were freaking out. Like, what is this? I don't, I don't understand. So basically her lips started to turn blue. Her face started to become white. Her hives were everywhere and everyone's freaking out. Everyone was in that kind of panic mode. And so ambulance came right away. She was throwing up and she, we kind of rushed to the hospital, figured out she was allergic to eggs. And got her tested. And then apparently she was allergic to all these other foods too. Nuts and shellfish and everything. So she had all of that. And from then on out, we've always tried to be careful. But obviously mistakes do happen. And she'd had probably about, you know, 12 allergic reactions at that time. And then my brother came into play. And then he had an allergy as well. So it's definitely a really hectic experience. But it kind of, I want to say it's probably controversial if I say that, but it kind of got us closer together 
And it really kind of bonded us that, okay, yeah, we have similar allergies and, you know, I would look out for you. You look out for me. If we're at a restaurant, a party, like, are, I'm constantly checking in on you. Like, oh, cause there's a lot of anxiety going on when you eat mm-hmm. at a restaurant and there's friends around you. And I keep checking in. I'm like, are you okay? You know, it's like, oh, you want to eat the, you want to eat the um, pad thai first and see how it is. And then I, you eat it. Um, but yeah, that's basically how it is. I miss Thai food. <laughs> peanuts are a pain in the neck that way. Um, so talk to me about the anxiety piece. You know, a lot of kids do, uh, and adults, not to, not to eliminate those of us who are adults, but a lot of anxiety does happen around food allergies. It, it's it, hard to explain to other people the constant pressure that comes with food allergies, right? Literally everything that you ever put in your body and you got to do that. It's not like you can stop eating. Tell me how that, uh, you know, has affected you and how you've kind of worked through that or are working through that. I like how you said constant pressure because it is, it's like a daily basis. You have to make sure you don't eat your allergies every single day. No break. No break. Three plus meals a day. Mm -hmm. You are constantly looking out for yourself and your health Mm -hmm. and it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. And a lot of people who are listening to this may attest to this. It's exhausting. And so the mental aspect is so important to me. This is why I kind of wanted to create a study. Say how food allergies affect mental health. And so I was like, you know what? Let's let's start a study about this. I want to actually test this theory. Like I want to let people know that it does affect mental health because a lot of people don't know this, you know? But all the kids in my class make fun of it. And okay, like to some extent, that's funny, like a joke, whatever. But then to some point, they just don't understand it and they don't empathize with food allergies. So I interviewed 20 children, 20 kids, teenagers who are associated with FAIR and just people who like to advocate a lot. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed them over Zoom for probably about an hour each. So 20 hours of just kind of interviewing people. And I asked them, okay, how does food allergies affect your mental health? And they surprisingly came across so differently. You know, I would never expect this. Like, oh yeah, I have a lot of depression because of this. There's a lot of anxiety, stress, depression, other disorders that root from that food allergies. And it really broke my heart. I'm like, they're just 13 year old kids, you know, 16 year old kids Mm -hmm. who are dealing with these types of, of just baggage in a way. So I was like, okay, so the study wouldn't be enough if I say, okay, it does affect mental health. We already know it does. So how can we actually change the world by saying it affects mental health? So I was like, okay, so what are some solutions? Maybe don't put may contain, maybe that's too uncertain. Maybe change the labeling, Mm -hmm. maybe do something this, maybe do this, you know? And so we tried to really figure that out. And I'm currently working on the study and collecting the data from my analysis and just everything like that. And so I definitely do think that mental health is important. Like I go, I went to, I actually went to travel um, by myself to Turks and Caicos in June. And that was really scary because of my food allergies and my parents weren't going to let me go because of my food allergies. And I kind of said to them, I was like, kind of re telling them this, it's like, you know, food allergies are not my identity. I don't want it to hold me back from things I really wanted to do and experience, especially after a pandemic. As a parent, I can tell you that's the most infuriating thing ever when your kid (laughs) spits your own words back at you. (laughs) Exactly. They were not happy. They kind of said no. And then I had to convince them a little bit more. Yep. Yep. But they let me go and I went by myself with my, one of my best friends and her family, which was, they're really close to my parents as well. The mother is a doctor too. So that was kind of a, a way to let me kind of go. 
And so I went and I had an amazing time, but I definitely did have that anxiety and fear. Like, oh my gosh, like, what if I do have an allergic reaction? That what if I, if I break out into a what if I throw up? And there's always this what if. And I was like, this what if has to be erased from my my you know word bank. I don't like that because it's so uncertain. And uncertainty comes stress, stress comes anxiety, and then you know you just don't have a good time. Yeah. So it's easier said than done, but I tried my best to just you know kind of eat the food and obviously ask every single waiter and waitress like, does this have any food um nuts at all? And they were all so so helpful. And so it was really a great experience. I'm really grateful that I didn't have an allergic reaction. So for me, the most stressful thing is when I'm not sure if there's a reaction or not. The, it's, the, yeah. it's the scares, right? And then you start kind of talking yourself into symptoms and you're not sure if you're doing that or not, or if there's really a symptom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I prefer when like my lips just kind of blow up and I know. <laughs> exactly. Right? Am I feeling funny? Am I having feelings of doom? Am I feeling faint? I don't know. You, you know what I mean? I'm a very paranoid, paranoid person. And so I really, your mind plays tricks on you. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, my throat is actually hurting. And it feels like your throat is actually itchy, but it's not. Yeah. And so yeah. I actually felt that way. I was having fish in Turks and Caicos. I was like, wait, what if this was not cooked right? And finally, is this a shellfish? Like, I don't know. Like I wasn't sure. And my mind kind of got all fuzzy. And I started to think that it was having an allergic reaction, but I wasn't. And I was fine afterwards after like kind of occupied myself with something else. It's not just me. Good <laughs> but for me, that's the most stressful part. It's not, yeah. can I eat this? It's, oh God, did I just eat something I shouldn't have? Yeah. You a know, I'd, I'd almost just rather have a bite of crab or something. Like I would know then. Yes. Don't take that the wrong way. Nobody come at me for that. I'm not going <laughs> to eat the crab, but yeah. you know, it, it would, it would be a less stressful thing to know and, and deal with as opposed to there was something oddly crunchy in that. I'm not sure. What was it? Ooh, ah, ooh. Yeah, definitely. A tip I heard from a fellow fair, um, you know, advocate is that she said, brush your teeth, just brush your teeth when you're after you feel that way, just brush your teeth. You won't kind of, you'll find it feel that minty taste instead of that other taste that you were feeling before. So I was like, wow, that's actually really insightful. I'm going to try that next time. Yeah, that is, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that also. I like Mm -hmm. it. All right. So on allergies, we've been talking a little bit about mental health stuff. What's your biggest allergy pet peeve? Allergy pet peeves. Can you elaborate? You know, reactions that other like, people have to your food allergies or things that, you know, service staff and restaurants do or oh, the peanut table I at school you. or, you know, whatever. Like, you. what's the most annoying thing from outside sources? When I say I have a peanut allergy to the waiter, my friends are like, ha, 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 you know, joking around. And obviously it's a joke, but at the same time, it's like, oh my gosh, like I actually have to make sure if this food doesn't kill me, like, can you guys please just stop laughing? Stuff like that. That's also really annoying. Also, um, the fact of being called like the peanut allergy girl, Ugh. that was, that would be just horrific. I don't like that at all. Um, it's not associated with my allergies and just Rhea, just me. <laughs> So yeah, that's basically my, my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. How did, did you have a, like a peanut table or a nut free table at school? And are you a fan or not a fan? I had one in elementary school and I honestly wasn't a big fan of it because it definitely did feel like you're segregated with your friends and it made you feel different and it made you feel like you shouldn't have allergies because you're not with everybody else. And I think that was a kind of a corrupt thing, but obviously it's important to have a food allergy table, because you know you are air airborne but like 
but you can't, the, what if people are airborne? each food allergy kid needs their own table because people are allergic to different things. That's true. Right. That's true. So, that, so that's my problem with the peanut table or yeah. the nut table is okay. What about the dairy kid or what about the wheat kid or what about the pork kid or, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's exclusionary in corrupt. one way and another. Yeah. That's corrupt. Yeah, definitely. And so, so and lunch is the only time know. you get to hang out with your friends and just be yourself. Yeah. But you can't. Yeah. Annoying, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. So you have done a million things, which I've mentioned a million times because I'm super impressed with you. <laughs> What's next? Yeah, I don't know. I am just trying to get through junior year, but I also definitely want to keep up my advocacy and meeting new people. I love to make meet new people and kind of meet new people like you and kind of get these opportunities to speak about advocacy and my book and everything. Um, but definitely the mental health study is next on my list to get that published in a paper. I'm actually working on it with uh, a, a Columbia University professor. She is guiding me throughout the entire process and an NYU graduate who's amazing and she's a researcher. So she's definitely, they're both guiding me um, through kind of figuring out how to publish it in a paper. And I would love to actually have that and have it a little like an actual paper so it can give it to food manufacturers and say, hey, this is uh, data and statistics of 20 kids, 20 kids with allergies who say the same thing. And so if they say the same thing, please try to keep in mind this you know, new alteration that you can make for your food manufacturing, you know? So that was kind of, that's the goal by the end of this year, hopefully, um, that I can publish the paper. Nice. So what about college? What are you going to major in? Where are you thinking you want to go? What do you want to do with your life? You know, once you have to become an adult. Yes. I've probably had that question asked to me like, like 20,000 times in Mm -hmm. the past, like six months. And it's really stressful because like the you know kind of the short answer is like I don't know I don't really know what what's going on but I definitely want to major in something that I'm interested in obviously um I do like science I do like neuroscience brain Mm -hmm. something in that area um I definitely want to live in New York City and go to school in you know New York City so Columbia is the dream school but it is definitely a stretch um Columbia University and NYU UCLA is also great, great schools that I really want to go to, but I have to really focus on what will make me happy when I go there and what will make me thrive and strive and have, you know, put opportunities and, you know, kind of give me opportunities to make a difference. And that's what I really wanted to do. So yeah. Major wise, somewhere in the neurosciences, psychology, something like that. I want to say med most likely. All right. Yes think so. (laughs) Very good. I like it. Got to put it out there, right? I guess so. Manifest. Yeah. I'm still, I majored in what I thought I was going to major in in high school. And what did you major in? Computer science and math. Oh, wow. That's hard. Not for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bad at writing papers and analyzing things. I'm really good at making computers go and numbers are my friends. So that's awesome. Yeah, no, we all have different strengths. I, people always yeah. say that. It, it, that's hard. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I didn't have to write a single <laughs> paper in college. This, this is good. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I literally picked classes where I could take tests, not write papers. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I'm not good at writing. You're the author yeah. here. Not <laughs> so you know, go with go with what your strength is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so how can everybody connect with you online? 
Yes. So you can go to my website, www.remaglani.com, and it will put you right to my podcast page and as well as an about me kind of page. And then my Instagram is remaglani10. And my, which I actually post a lot about advocacy and everything about that as well. And then my email, raymaglani10 at gmail.com if you would like to connect. Perfect. All right. So then I like to wrap all of these up. Oh, wait, before we wrap up and on Amazon, people can find the book. Yes. And on Amazon, people can say that one more time. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm so bad at promoting it. I have to continue doing it. The Hidden Hero on Amazon. Go buy it. The Hidden Hero on Amazon.com. Please buy it. Exactly. You want to boost your children's confidence. So now let's wrap up with two truths and a lie because I like to play an evil torture game that one day all of them will be on TikTok. Speaking of putting things out there. And so (laughs) don't tell what your lie is. And do them in whatever random order so that we don't know. Uh, Listeners, if you want to know the truth about the lie, I guess is the best way to say that. Either you're going to have to wait till we put it up on TikTok or you're going to have to come talk to us in the comments on your favorite social media platform. So Rhea, take it away. Two truths and a lie. All right. Ready? Mm -hmm. So the first one. When I was four, I was told I couldn't have the Snickers bar that was in my pantry after Halloween one night. And as a four-year-old, you don't know that you're allergic to something. So my parents told me I couldn't have the candy bar as a natural response. You want it even more when someone says you can't have something. So when they were elsewhere, I snuck into the pantry and ate the candy bar and broke out in hives. The second one, when I was 10, I went to an educational camp. We were taking a test and I was stabbing my pencil in my thigh as I was thinking and I was wearing shorts and I accidentally stabbed my leg with a pencil and I still have a tiny faint lead color stuck on my thigh. And now we know where to put the EpiPen. (laughs) And the third one, I went to four concerts in my life, um, then being Taylor Swift, which I love, Drake, Pitbull, and the Jingle Ball in 2019. The jingle ball. Yes. The jingle ball. I like it. I have no idea which one of those is true or false, but I'm going to find out after we're done. So Rhea, thank you so much. This has been great. I'm sure everyone loved talking to you. I have no doubt that you're going to get into Columbia. Oh my God. Columbia, if you're listening, let this chick in. (laughs) She's amazing. Uh, And I wish you all the best of luck with all the things. If there's ever anything that we can do to help, please let us know. Listeners, if you want to connect with Rhea, please do so. And again, for the 900th time, go buy the book. (laughs) Rhea, thanks for being here. As always, this has been the Shandyland Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. 